Welcome to the pre-round four Supercoach Coach podcast. I'm Marcus, and this week we're joined by Faz. Welcome to the show, mate. G'day, Marcus. Uh, great to be here. I think I've been on one Patreon show in the pre-season, but fantastic to be back on the main show and uh, looking forward to, to chatting Supercoach with you. Yep. Our uh, uh, non-Patreon subscribers, first time hearing your voice, I'm sure they'll be happy. And we've got the second debut for the 2022 season, and that's CJ. Welcome back to the show. Hey, folks. Um, pretty pleased to be getting a gig. Been sitting on the bench for a while, so yeah, nice, to, <laughs> nice to get a run with the big boys. But yeah, we'll... Try and keep it straight down the line this week. Yeah, sure. th there's no injuries to Mark. Don't worry. I think he's just out of form. Needs a needs a run the twos, and we'll, he'll be back soon. He, he actually is injured. Oh no! <laughs> I shouldn't be joking. <laughs> um, this whole family uh, down with COVID, unfortunately. Oh, so. oh no! Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, fortuitous. We are organising this. Mark was kind of have to have a spell anyway, but it's worked out. <laughs> Fortunately, or unfortunately, I don't know. Anyway, uh, hopefully, he gets super immunity or whatever that is, and he can enjoy his holidays in WA. There's probably worse places than in the great outdoors. So, we wish him all the best. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, this is brought to you by our patrons, patreon.com forward slash supercoachcoach. If you are looking for any bonus content and to support the show. Before we get into this week's topics, and I'm going to try not to labor too much on the panic because it generally is a lot of FOMO that floats around after correction trade week. And instead, try and just keep a clear head, but talk about a few of the situations or a few of the players that are top of mind. Before we get into that, a quick round the grounds and uh, we might kick off with yourself, CJ. I had what I thought was one of those weeks where nothing's really going right, but nothing's going terribly wrong either. So I scored 21.55, which saw me drop a couple of hundred spots. I'm sitting just inside the top 30K. So not a great start, but uh, I'm pretty happy with all the players I have. I feel like I've got all the right rookies, all the right mid-prices. Premiums are performing reasonably well. So yeah, nothing, no, no panic stations yet. Are you still a boost virgin? That's probably the important question. Oh no, I, I, yeah, burned that, burned that puppy immediately. We were, okay, we were nice. definitely boosting. The trigger thing right. is too itchy for that. I would not expect any less. All right. <laughs> uh, Faz, how about yourself? How was the weekend? Yeah, I was going to say to no one's surprise that, uh, CJ's popped his boost <laughs> cherry, um, in saying that I, I did the same, uh, <laughs> I've potentially the exact same three trades, I think from, yeah. from CJ and I, Whitfield, Ward, and, uh, remind me CJ, who was our third? McGovern. Trader? McGovern. Yeah. All came out, got the two Carlton boys in Hewitt and Cripps in and went a week early on Nick Martin, who I'm sure we'll get to later in the show. And the, the score for me this week was 22.04. So just a bit above siege, my rank is now inside the top 30,000. Making my way up there, started at like almost 70,000 after week one. But as we know, if you've been playing for a few years, the, the rank, overall rank in the first few weeks doesn't matter a whole, a whole bunch. And I think if you 
I haven't actually looked, but the di the distance between where I am at 30,000 and top 10,000 rank, I'm sure is probably achievable in, in one week or, you know, with one captain pick, not panicking too much. And similar to Sage feeling like I've uh, got most of the important mid prices, important rookies and relatively happy with the, the premiums too. So I'm feeling all right about the team. Just got to be patient for the moment, I think, and, and let some of those cash cows fatten up and, and get into the early upgrade season. Nice. Uh, you win the round, Faz. I scored 21.53. I did not use my trade boost, so no Hewitt for me, but I brought in Bowie, who I'm pretty happy with. Um, score of 89 means that he jumped up quite a fat stack of cash, which I'm looking forward to cashing in for an early upgrade and brought in Patrick Cripps as well for Whitfield and McGovern. All right, to our Patreon group, and we call out the top scorer each week. The top scorer from that group, Jason's team, Footy Hashira. He scored 23-16, big score from Jason in what was a tough week, tougher than the first two, surprisingly, especially the captaincy choices. A lot of tagging this week. Uh, and in our main group, Show's team, Jib Rangers, longtime community member, scored 23.62, and he's sitting with an overall rank of 670. So good job, Jib Rangers. All right, we are going to get into the questions for the round, and we'll start with basically the top three players that people are looking at either trading in or trading out this week. One in the outs, and this is probably going to surprise some people, but not those probably looking at Nick Martin and figuring out a way to bring him in. And that's Joshua Rochelle. He is currently slated to come out of about 5% of teams at time of recording this. Uh, he's gone up to 230K. And he's actually facing a break-even of 42. So if he scores what he scored on the weekend, that's 36, he actually drops in price. Some people considering that a sensible enough boundary to, to look at him as a potential trade-out candidate. And we had a question from one of our patrons, JB. He's not actually even looking at Martin. Presumably he has him. But he's asking, should he even go Rochelle for Gallant from... Adelaide, so Adelaide for Adelaide, arguably one with a lot more secure job security for one with weaker job security, played as a tall, but has been doing particularly well. Uh, I think Tex Walker is supposed to come back, but via the Sandfall this week, but certainly uh, some job security threat there. But in terms of Rochelle, are either of you potentially thinking about trading him out this week? Uh, not for mine. not. Yeah, I think keep, we're both... We both went early on Martin, so I think that's probably the one circumstance you'd be thinking about it. I think as he, I think you already covered it with Gallant, uh, job security much poorer. I, I can't imagine a guy with only a couple of games under his belt is going to keep Tex out of the team long term. So I, I don't see that as being a great trade. And Rochelle is only at two thirty, so you're not making a, a huge amount of catch on that trade. I think it's potentially feasible if you just don't have any better option to get onto the Nick Martin train, because I think he's shown a, a real ability to find the footy and, you know, should 
uh, should hold your spot in Essendon side long-term. But I think I'd be really looking hard at any other options you have. And even if that meant sacrificing on what cash you're getting for the trade, if you had a Hopf or one of those, I think if you had Owens, you probably already traded him last week, but Finn McInnes, one of those rookies who are looking okay, but not setting the world on fire, I'd probably be more inclined to trade someone like that out. Cause I think Rochelle has great long-term job security and I don't see him continuing to score as poorly as he did on the weekend. I think he gave away a late 50, which, which really hurt the score. And he's already shown in, in round one that he can find the scoreboard and, and get a, a big score. So I, I, I expect he's got more cash to make. He also just on the eye test, like Rochelle looks like a great footballer. He's going to be an absolute star. And I think, you know, his break even is high this week, but given the, that's mostly because unfortunately for him, his best week was his first week. He's got 118, 58, 36. So he's, if his scores were around the other way, that 118 was still in his price movements. His break even would still probably be pretty close to zero. So if you have anyone else to trade out, I would be seriously considering it. But if you somehow have stacked your team and you have all of the all of the obvious rookies except for Nick Martin, then I think Rochelle is probably, unfortunately, the one to go. But he could definitely burn you by jagging a couple of hundreds in a row. It's a tough one. Look, in isolation, I don't think people really should be looking at trading him out. If you want to bring in the Nick Martin, just note that if he manages an average of 70 from here on out, that type of average generally will see you hit about 350K. And with his propensity to get a big score, if he's at the 300K mark and has one particularly good score and the 120 mark again, you're probably talking higher 300s than that. So he, he probably easily has 120 to maybe 150K more to make. Uh, and generally, that's a good enough reason to keep a particular player. And I mean, even comparing him to Josh Ward, I think Ward's risk of not being able to make 150 from here compared to Rochelle is probably higher, even despite sort of the role that he's getting such as the, I guess, eye test skill, whatever you want to call it, of Rochelle. He kicks a lot of goals when he's having a good game and that can generate a fair bit of points. Don't really like trading him out, but if the extra 20K or 30K or whatever really buys you an early upgrade, that'd probably be the only situation where I'd be looking at it in isolation. It's definitely a tough recommend. Let's move on to the next player and... This conversation is probably tied. So it's looking at Nick Martin as a trade-in candidate. So value is obvious. His break-even is ridiculously low. He scored 71 against Melbourne, although they do give some points away to opposition midfielders. But 102K as well is a particular bonus. That's cheapest rookie price that we have available to us. Is he a must-have? And... I guess to start with this question here from one of our patrons, Brett, he's had 30 players play on the weekend. Uh, is Martin a must-have if everyone is playing? So as a starting point, if you're in Brett's situation, what what would you be doing? Look, I think he's a, a real good player. He's not that 18-year-old rookie that we tend to see. He's more of a mature body. I think he's around 20 years old, having played a couple of seasons at Subiaco. He just racks up the ball sort of with ease, uh, I sort of looked up 
put that the scores around half time. I was there on Friday night watching the Dons go down again. It was sort of surprised. I thought, oh, it's been a bit of a quiet game for Martin and, and saw that he was, you know, around 40 points at half time and sort of turned that into a 70. He just chugs along and keeps finding space, keeps being involved in chains. I, I think he's going to keep scoring quite well to the point that I think for now I'm going to start fielding Martin over Rochelle for that sort of F6 spot. In terms of his job security, both Zach Merritt and Carl Langford are out in sort of the medium term. I think they've both got five, six weeks at least on the sidelines with their respective injuries. So I think on the job security and the scoring, he sort of ticks both those boxes. But in terms of must-have, I guess that's a bit of a difficult one because while we had fears about rookies early days, I think that there has ended up being quite a few come through. So that sort of cash generation side of things is looking pretty reasonable at the moment. Most of the mid prices that people picked, particularly in the forward line, have have sort of all done pretty well. We've got uh, Raul and Barry in the midfield. So teams are generating a good amount of cash so far. So it is possible, particularly if your structure is that, you know, Martin would be coming in and not even getting a spot on field, or you think it's a bit of a line ball decision as to whether he, whether he's actually replacing anyone better, perhaps even though he's ticking every box, I can see circumstances where it's not a, a must have and, and that trade could be worth holding onto and could be worth more later in the season. I I reckon he's pretty close to a must have, to be honest. I think if he, he's projected to make about 80 or so K if he scores another 70. I think the just being a 102K rookie, the amount of money that he's going to generate is... Probably enough, even though we have good cash generation going on. I mean, you're putting yourself a fair way behind the probably 95% of coaches who do have Nick Martin by not having him. So I kind of think that, yeah, there are some very difficult situations where you do have everyone playing. But I think even in a situation where you have 30 green dots, it's pretty likely of someone who is performing or will perform worse than Nick Martin. And you probably make some money on it. I think I would probably be still comfortable trading like a Josh Ward down to him. I think if I was in that situation, I would probably look at Rochelle as well. But I, I kind of think he's in the in the must-have or very close to must-have territory. Yeah, it's a tough one. I don't know if I've landed on a hard position. I think the only reason why I'm thinking about this a little bit more than in prior years is we have five extra trades. And so early cash generation and the ability to not get full return on a downgrade is a little bit more palatable. So if you take Ward down to Nick Martin, that gets you 90K toward your first upgrade and you get a player that arguably is the highest. Yeah, he's got the, his break is negative 124. So even if he scores at zero, he's going up a heap. <laughs> if he scores 93, he goes up. 97k in one week and i think that's probably the part that's leaning me towards saying generate a trade to get down to him even though i i agree like a, a mcginnis or a mcdonald probably doesn't look as primo as a ward or a shelly type i'd be more likely to say at least downgrade a play that's going to get you some cash from that downgrade uh, if forced to pick between, let's say, Stevens, Ward, and Rochelle, I'd probably go Ward 1, um, Rochelle 2, and then Stevens 
Uh, you both traded out Ward. He, he's playing a great position. I think his center bounce attendances went up to like 78% this week. It's really good role that he's playing, but he still scored 54 and he's at 196. So I, I don't mind forcing the trade for him. I think some of that would depend on if you used one trade in the first week and then you trade boosted and you used three last week, then maybe not do that. But especially if you've only used two trades, I'd probably be saying that, yeah, go down to Nick Martin. You could have trade boost and done the triple trade last week, which is what a lot of people did. If you did it a week later, the plus point, I guess you, you extracted extra 20 to 40 K depending on who you're downgrading. So I don't mind forcing that trade through. It would depend on your existing traits. All right, this next question from Josh McClaw is related, and he's asking, does it matter at all around trading Nick Martin to a player to create uh, DPP? So if you were trading Ward or Stevens down to Nick Martin, moving Rochelle to your midfield, does that become an extra reason to do this, or does that not factor in as, as much? Yeah, I don't think that's a big part of my thinking. There'll be circumstances where it's handy, but I, I find that those sort of links don't end up being the sort of panacea that they might seem like. Martin should probably be DPP in two weeks' time anyway. He's definitely playing enough midfield time to, I would say, be midfield eligible at the end of round five. So I think if you're trying to engineer a bit of flexibility into your side with some DPPs, I think it's pretty likely that quite a few of the players that everyone has already are going to end up with some DPP flexibility. So that will probably come without you needing to force it. I think if it's something that is a, a value add, I think it's probably something that, you know, by yeah, forecasting forward two weeks, we'll kind of be there anyway. That's a good point, Sage. I think Juan Francis has been playing a bit forward, hasn't he, at North? Mm. Um, and that's sort of one that pretty much everyone has. So you sort of already got that pretty much guaranteed um, yeah, I mean, there's been some injuries there. at North, so maybe he plays too much midfield, but I think it's pretty likely that you'll end up with one. Yeah, and just on that point, uh, in case certain listeners were not aware, the DPP will be effective after round five before round six, so it's actually only two more games before we get some added flexibility. To the next question from Daniel Maserati. Thoughts on trading out someone like Nick Martin from a floating donut versus a Stevens or a Shelly type. Unless Hollands isn't in this week, like this seems like an obvious starting point. Like rather than trade out a guy who is playing, trading out a player who may not get in the team anytime soon. And the likelihood continues to increase that you'll get a floating donut. It seems like a great opportunity to trade out a floating donut for a Martin type. And there's a good chance you only go a week or two before one reemerges. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. The next question is around Tim English. So he is slated to come into around 6% of teams at the moment of time of recording. And oh, how a week changes things. I remember recording the podcast last week and he had such a poor week in the rucks that I think Bevo even came out midweek and said that Martin will be coming back in. Martin gets pulled for health and safety protocols and Tim English has a monster scoring 152. And all of a sudden people are wondering whether or not he's a must have. 
It's a, a pretty interesting situation. I don't know how much I'd manufacture a situation to bring in him in, but we did get a question from Luke Kenyon, one of our patrons, asking about Rowan Marshall. So he started well in round one, but the last two scores been below par. And the fact that they kept Ryder, Hayes, and Marshall in round three was probably an extra downside considering in round two, Marshall already started to see some of his center bounce attendances go down to Hayes. Thoughts, gents, on initially Ron Marshall to Tim English? Is that sort of a, a viable trade, do you think? Uh, and Tim English I, more broadly? I think, I think that's a trade that I would probably be pretty comfortable making. I think part of the appeal with starting Ron Marshall for a lot of people was the chance of him getting DPP with the forward flexibility already as well as wrapped up in this kind of desire not to start the two big rucks because you thought they were overpriced. I think Tim English uh, is looking like an absolutely cracking starting selection. So well done, Marcus, for picking him. I'm pretty jealous. But I think that trade in particular makes sense to me. But I think otherwise it's pretty hard to completely break up your structure just to bring Tim English in. But if you have Rowan Marshall, I think I'd be absolutely fine with making that trade. I agree. I think that's a good trade to make. And this is probably the last week that it's even a, a sort of viable option. English is about to skyrocket in price with that 150 going to be in the cycle for a few weeks. And meanwhile, Marshall's sort of doing the opposite. He's going to plummet in price. So you can sort of, I think it's about 15, 20 grand to do do the trade this week. And that's going to be a, a much bigger task uh, in weeks to come. Unfortunately, I think that deficiencies that English offers in the ruck didn't go away. If memory serves me correctly, Tom Hickey went down during that game that English went nuts in. I think it was like Marty in the ruck for Sydney, who I don't think is a real specialist ruckman. And even like English didn't get all these points from dominating in the ruck. It was sort of his work around the grounds and some of the, the sort of marking and they, they seem to be looking for him. Um, yeah, you got used a, a heap on the switch. Moving beyond the role Marshall question if this is just your, your team sort of say you were a Gorn Grundy setup and considering that trade for Gorn to English I think I'd probably just stick to my guns and, and stick with Gorn rather than jumping on English just that unknown of of what impact Steph Martin has is still there it could be pushed out by a, a few weeks but you'd imagine at some point that's going to come up and we just don't know how that's going to impact English's scoring yeah I I find it hard. I guess obviously I want to cheer on English and I hope he continues to do well, but I think good point around the opposition and the context in which that 152 was scored. I would be tempted to do Marshall to English, but to be fair, I think I would be more tempted to go to Proust probably rather than even take English and try and deploy that cash elsewhere. So 124, I'd be very shocked if he maintains that average for the remainder of the year. Um, even if he manages a 105 average, it's not offering a heap of value from the 530 that he's on now. So whether or not a side swap is worthwhile, I, I'm not too sure. Uh, I think the driver would be the concern around Ron Marshall a lot more after a, a 60 and a 58 and the ruck mix at St. Kilda. And fortunately, 
Proust has now come on as an option. He scored 109, 204K. He seems like a pretty obvious pick that most people will try and fit in as a cash cow. Some may not be able to get his scoring on field, depending on their setup. And I guess a downgrade to get that score on field, get that cash generation, ticks a lot more boxes for me. So I'd go Marshall to Proust, and I don't think Tim English is a must-have at this stage, but hopefully for me, he proves me wrong. We'll see. Uh, we have another question as we're on the topic on Braden Proust. This is from Crypto Soldier, another one of our patrons, and he's asking whether or not this week is too early to go on to Braden Proust. Outside of the Marshall situation, what do you gents reckon around bringing Proust in early this week and, and why you might do that? Depends a bit on the context. If you are a maniac who traded out Gorn and are running uh, <laughs> Dixon and Hayes as your R2, R3, like I was thinking about doing, then I would absolutely be bringing in Proust this week. But pretty much unless you're getting him on field, the guy is not particularly durable. He started the season missing multiple games. Yeah, he's too he's too big for his own skin. So I think um, obviously going to be a good player um, as a good cash generator. But there's every chance that he plays next week and then needs a week off like Mumford was doing. So I I can't see really what the tangible benefit to bringing him in if he's going to be sitting on your bench this week is. If he goes on field, then I can see why you'd want to take that gamble because he potentially offers about 40 or 50 points on field as upside over Dixon or Hayes if either of them or both of them are even playing. But yeah, other than that, I would definitely be waiting a week because he could easily get injured. I think I'd be pretty tempted to even wait a week if that was the circumstance I was in, if my ruck line was Grundy and the two rookie rucks. Unless they both drop, then your hand's probably forced there. But there's money to be made from both Dixon and Hayes. Uh, and for Hayes, it's quite a bit of money. I looked it up before. He's got a negative 14 break even. So you know, even if it's only another 60 that he puts out, I think it'll comfortably get him above Bruce's price. So if that's what's then your force trade the next week, and then at least you're making money getting Bruce in. And just to add to the points you raised around Bruce's injury risks, you've also got Leon Cameron who's not exactly known for his consistency when it comes to coaching decisions. Flynn could come back even if Proust has another good game or Briggs, if we remember him from last year, you know, who knows what, what Liam <laughs> could pull. So I, I don't see why I would put myself at risk. Every time we talk rookie rucks, we end up getting to the rookie ruck roulette that's been played in a few years or the carousel, you know, for me has gone past where you end up not doing the set and forget and use up half your trades just with a rotating cast at R2. I think I, I just would cop the potentially 40, 50 points that it might cost you to, to get an extra week of information. Yeah. I think the both of you have summed that up pretty well. No issues bringing him in this week if he's going on field and you either have a player who's not playing. And so you're not going to get the cash generation upgrade that you've referred to there, Faz, or if you have a Ron Marshall and he's going to drop in cash, then yeah, getting the scoring benefit plus dealing with one of those two issues early is sensible. 
but otherwise potentially wait a week. Uh, I think the other situation for Tim English owners to consider is pivoting Tim English out into the forward line, which was probably always the plan once Proust got his games and then running a Grundy-Proust combo. So I could do that this week and upgrade some scoring, but I'm almost definitely going to take the additional increase in price from whoever I inevitably trade out next week to him and then get the scoring boost from that point on. I think I'd sacrifice 30, 40 points for 30 or 40K early on in the season because it can make a big difference to the upgrades that you hit and more than compensate for that difference in scoring in the single week. All right. Thanks, gents. That was a fun chat. As I mentioned at the top of the show, want to keep things relatively clear because I think temptation for FOMO is still pretty high at this stage and we definitely have been doing this a long enough time to be preaching calm. There are some situations where you would be trading this week, but especially for those that did a trade boost last week, unless you're still dealing with donuts, uh, likely situation is that you're not moving unless you're trying to force Martin into your team, which is still relatively borderline depending on your flavor or your penchant for trigger happy finger. I think CJ, if he didn't have Nick Martin, would probably still be considering it this week. Thanks, Jens. It's been great to have you on. We are going to jump into the Patreon, so looking forward to that bonus content. Uh, we're going to be talking about going late on some players, how to best deal with FOMO and, and some broader strategy type stuff. So. Thanks very much for joining us for another week. Yeah, I might pass to each of you for sign-off. Just uh, lovely to be back talking Supercoach again. I think the TLDR for this app is do the trades and reverse them before the, before the round starts. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd, I'd add if you're going to hit the reverse button, make sure you do it with enough time to actually check that you haven't had the C put on someone like Tom McCartan or yeah, one of your rookies because I have heard a few horror stories about People accidentally uh, ending up with C's on rookies. Constant vigilance with the trade reverse button. Good luck, community, and we'll catch you all next week. See ya. Bye.